This is exciting for me because really, um, when I read the book, I was I loved it and I was really angry because it's a great story that I think I wanted to write and everybody else who lived in China and had these experiences wanted to write. And you guys, you know, beat everybody to it um, in a great way. So that's exciting. Um, you know, Sam and Eric, how, how did you got you? Well, first off, introduce yourselves because you're going to do a better job of it than I am. So Sam Vutas, you know, you're a filmmaker from Australia. In You were in China during all this. And Eric Flangen, you're now based in Manila, but originally from the U.S. Uh, Sam, you know, give us the give us the thousand foot view of your career. Uh, sure. Um, it's probably similar to Eric. You know, um, I was a, a filmmaker in my early 20s and was struggling to find a career in Australia. So uh, moved to China. Uh, in the early 2000s, China was a really exciting place to be a, a young creative, whether it was cameraman work or just any type of work. There seemed to be lots of possibilities. And uh, it was around that time that I met Eric. It was around 2005, 2006, Eric, that we met in Beijing. Yep. Yeah, 2005. And, uh, yep. Eric, Eric was editing a documentary uh, that he'd shot in Singapore and uh, he asked me to, we, we just ha had a dinner and he asked me to help out and one day of helping editing turned into almost a month. And <laughs> yeah, which gotcha. probably turned into two months or something like yeah. went forever. And it, so Eric, you, you were, you were a filmmaker, but yeah, give us a little bit of the background of what brought you to China. Yeah, so I was living in New York and kind of making my way in the indie film scene and, and like the reality TV scene just and um, got uh, got a gig where I could shoot. So I'd already been to Southeast Asia through, you know, in the East uh, on my own traveling. And so I went back there to make a documentary and I ended up in Beijing. Uh, with a production company that uh, that I, I was staying there and editing in their facility, and then I met uh, Sam that way through mutual friends. Was it Thomas? Yeah, Sam. Is that Frank? Yeah, yeah, so Singaporean uh, right. Yep. Yeah, introduced us, and and the rest is history. We've kept in touch ever since, and we would, you know, trade ideas on things we thought would make good stories, and this uh, ended up kind of surfacing as as the one that ended up leading to this long term collaboration. We're we're gonna have to set up quickly, but pre Olympics China, pre two thousand eight China was a bizarro time to say the least. You know, everybody who had a camera was gonna go there. Everybody who had a camera got work, um, and to kind of jump into this, everybody there who was of our complexion on the lighter side had the opportunity to teach and had the opportunity to be an actor and had the opportunity to do literally anything because there were not a lot of foreign faces in China. It, it was still not the easiest place to get into. And, you know, you were something special. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a bizarre time. I remember... A couple of months after I first got to Beijing in 2005, as somebody offered me a free office uh, at 798, which was the, the the heart of the of the art you know the art center of, of of Beijing, and they just gave me an office that was had a glass door, uh, and it, I realized that that they just wanted me to be there so that I could be seen, so that the office could be could appear to have a foreign working there. 
a foreigner working there. And that's when that was pretty much my first introduction to this idea <laughs> of what was considered good, good face. Um, and I think that's what, uh, you know, Eric and I were very fascinated with this idea because it's not like when I was, say, at the office that I was actually doing anything at the office or I was helping the company in any way. I was simply there for this very superficial uh facade essentially and Eric and I have always been really fascinated with the idea of facades and um and uh, that uh, sometimes if it's just a surface level there's nothing much behind it right, right. yeah and and that's kind of a strange thing I mean you know the the book you wrote is called white face lies and it talks about the concept of face jobs I don't know who came up with the concept of face job uh but it's it's really a great name i mean i don't know it, it it perfectly explains it i thought you came up with that with that phrase because the first no, time I no. heard it was from you which was 2009 <laughs> no 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 so i think you know i think somebody had told me about it and it was i think all of us were like this is just absurd you can't be telling me that there's someone's going to pay me money to show up and be a foreigner that stands there and does things or nothing most of the time. Um, but Eric, Eric, you know, who, who explain your interaction or your discovery of these face jobs? Well, so I had been, um, at the time the story idea came about, I was living in Singapore and I had spent time, you know, sort of ping ponging around different cities in Asia. And, um, so I was aware of, uh, the situation in China. I think this face job stuff is very specific to China. You don't see it as much in, in you know, countries around okay. Southeast Asia. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that <laughs> that uniquely special and undeserved treatment of white people is like unique to inside the mainland. Um, and uh, yeah, I read an article about it. It was like some online article, and I ran it by Sam. I was like, "Wow, it, like, do you know about this? This is crazy. Like, this is bizarre. Like, this sounds fascinating. Um, there's a story in this." And Sam was like. Yeah, I'm actually been doing this work. I've been face jobbing for a book for like research. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's awesome. And uh, we but by then, I think, Sam, you had already kind of run out of steam exactly. on that angle. Right. And yeah. so and then I was looking for uh, something to write in terms of a screenplay. Um, and so we were like, you know, let's just make a story within that world. So that and that's that's how I got involved with it. Well, I mean, I know how I got involved in it, and it was, you know, I think it was just an ad on a foreign website for you know, foreigners in Asia website, and it's and had you know dug around in the in the in the uh, job boards of weird things to do like voiceover and acting and things like that. That was just the thing that everybody who had gone to China got a chance to do. And I I think I had come across that and read some some people went oh you can do this thing and I did a couple and then you know Sam and I you were we were having dinner and you know you were like that's not real. And I'm like no I just did this thing and you know and and you ran with it which I am again whole, wholly upset and jealous of. <laughs> that you like you you went and took this you went full hunter s thompson on this i mean uh, what what was what was the reason behind you stealing this greatest idea <laughs> <laughs> well first off i want to apologize for not being totally honest with you because you gave me the contact in order to enter that world and i never told you <laughs> no hey that's fine with me please you know just remember i get one cent of every screenplay that's it that's all i need just one, on one, one penny that's it <laughs> <laughs> That's not much money, trust me. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I, I, I thought it was re really fascinating and you'd mentioned it and, and, and I, I remember sitting at the table thinking this is going to be really, somebody's going to be really interested in this world. Um, and I've been reading Cillalia being very naive. I'd finished Hell's Angels and I thought, well, Hunter S. Thompson did it and he got a little recorder and he went undercover. I'm sure anybody can do this. And I learned very quickly that that wasn't the case. Um, so I did about five jobs, had, had a little hidden recorder with me. Uh, and then afterwards, I just didn't want to, I just did, I didn't have the guts to keep on doing it. To be honest, <laughs> well, explain you know, that first job because, it, you know, the idea of face job is you're supposed to show up and there's different versions of it. And, and, and when you read your guys's graphic novel, it's very, it, you've, you've laid out very specifically what it is, but you know, from my experience and what a lot of people will find online is you're hired to be an executive, a person who stands there in a suit who could be from the company or not. You're just a, 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 a foreign person in the group of important people. Um, and you get paid for that and you oftentimes don't talk. You just sit there and smile sweetly. What were some of the, the, your experiences with it? What was like one of the first jobs you did? Uh, one of the first jobs I did was to be the second in command of an American uh, company. <laughs> um, apparently your, your, your accent really does speak Boston. Is it Boston? Right. It's South Boston, right? It's South Boston. <laughs> Was a, it, was a, it, was, it was a big mix. My neighborhood in Boston was really mixed up. Was, they watched too many Crocodile Dundee movies back in exactly. those days, in the 80s. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the first, the first uh, job, they, they gave me a name. They told me that I had just flown in from a certain city. Uh, it was, I can't remember the name, whether it was like New York or, or, or what. Um, they told me if they ask particular questions, don't answer, change the topic or, <laughs> or defer. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, my, my job really was just to turn up and, and nod and uh, make sure that I wore a, a really nice suit, a good suit and tie and uh, look professional and that's it. And then afterwards go home. <laughs> Oh, man, there's not yeah. much to it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my experience with it, and uh, I think uh, so many people's uh, other experience where it just became just this weird, wacky, you know, you know, bar story to tell. And I, I know some people took it seriously. I, I know some people it became their their lifeblood. Um, you know, I think for most of us, it was like, nah, just check it off the list. Um, That's right. But, on but, that particular gig, the, oh, sorry, on that particular gig, that there was a full time face job, a gentleman in his 60s, American, who this was just what he did every day. And for him, it was just another gig, read the lines, move on to the next one. And there were particularly, you know, white men who were in their 60s to 70s living in China at the time. There were those guys who that was just their, their full-time deal. Sure. They would just yeah. go from four-star hotel to four-star hotel traveling around China. So, uh, you know, when as we're saying this, it obviously is a great story with a lot of potential and a lot of, of like you can go anywhere with this. So how did the two of you guys were were you working together at this point or was it just kind of independent kismet that came about Eric? How did that how did that work for you? Um well we came I think there was when Sam and I decided let's let's try to build a story in this world. Sam came down to Singapore. I think that was the first trip. Um and we really just spent like a few days trying to hammer out uh, possible stories um, that we that resonated, that we liked. Uh, and when we landed on the one that ended up becoming the current uh, book, um, 
we yeah we latched onto that and 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 after that it was still in terms of like uh skyping and and zooming and teleconferencing all that technology was still quite slow this was still like 20 10 2011 is that correct yeah, Sam? 2010 we so, started in 2010 right and um so we did actually a lot of like flying back and forth it's actually kind of insane and expensive to think about now but um <laughs> i went up to beijing i think a couple times sam went to singapore a couple times and then uh then we eventually ended up also writing drafts in bangkok and manila and los angeles as the years went on as the as the year as the decades as the as the decades upon decades dragged on, yeah. I, I, well, we're gonna come back to how long it took, right. but yeah. what, was it always a book or was it what 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 was the 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 product so to speak that you guys were originally trying to create? Well, Sam, can I jump in on this sure, one? Go for real it. Fast? Yep. Yeah. Um, so I had made a short film at NYU Tisch graduate film program that I was at in Singapore. Um, and that got some attention at the Sundance labs and they were like, Hey, do you have any scripts that you can submit? And so this story and my conversations with Sam sort of happened about the same time that uh, Sundance was asking for something to, for us to give them. And I thought, well, this, this is, you know, this'll do. And so we, <laughs> uh, so we wrote a screenplay version of it, um, which is, it's definitely, there's a lot of similarities, but it's actually, it's also quite different than the current story. And uh, yeah, and then we got it in a Sundance, uh, the Sundance Screenwriters Lab, and we went into that and workshopped it. And then the current version of the book was born out of that experience being there at Sundance. And, um, and then, yeah, the next step to turn it into a graphic novel kind of came about um, actually out, out of an idea of Sam. Sam, Sam, you were the one with the who kind of said, "Hey, let's turn this into some actual IP, right?" Yeah, um, you know, we'd finished the labs and we had this 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 script, and Eric and I were just discussing how how are we going to feasibly shoot this in in China? You know, it's going to be it's going to be be quite difficult, um, just both in terms of the content of of the story and also just the logistics. We have scenes where there's big factories with lots of extras and we realized also the state of independent film and this is like 2012 now. Uh, We'd have to we'd have to get name American actors, and we just thought, ah, name America. Are we going to be able to get hold of name American actors um, to 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 appear? So we started this long discussion about how do we turn uh, this story into intellectual property? Um, because a screenplay is great, but it's a blueprint, and uh, uh, and and neither of us had any experience really doing any other <laughs> thing other than filmmaking. We never discussed reality right. TV, right? We could have done a reality TV show. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. but I, that probably wouldn't have lasted that long though. You, you, I don't think you would have gotten a few, uh, a few episodes out of that. That would have, <laughs> right. that would have been a little dangerous, <laughs> but, but that's interesting that you, you thought, okay, we're going to make a film and then realize, well, this is unfilmable. Um, how quickly did you start thinking about other ideas? I mean, cause there's, there's the book idea, like let's make a, a novel or, or an actual book, which, you know, at that point, everybody who's been anywhere in the world has a book idea. And then of course in China, post Olympics, everybody had a book about China because so many people went to China. Um, and you, you you touched on the idea of IP. Explain that that thinking, because that's a that's a very high level business thought thing. Like I'm going to make some IP, but 
not out of not something you shouldn't be thinking of. I mean, it's it seems like an important part of the process. Uh, I, I guess it, it, it does sound complicated, but at the same time, it's just proving proving the the the, the product that you're trying to sell that that it, it is it is quality essentially. Um, and uh, when it comes to a screenplay, it's all people might flip through it really fast. It's up to people's imaginations. It's not actually the a thing that is as tangible. In a, in, as, a, as a product per, per okay. se. Okay. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, just uh, we, I, I, I think I, I, I was telling, I was saying to Eric, you know, we really should try to make this either a novel, but then neither of us had experience for writing novels. We weren't really those, those type of guys in China. Um, we were more visual people. Uh, and so, yeah, we just, we, I, I, I think we both decided we'd, we'd turn it into a panel by panel graphic novel. Right. And, and the, the story is so visual anyway. Like, I think one thing that was so appealing about it was the, like, we, it was always conceived to be kind of a road trip movie, but in mainland China through second tier cities. So, uh, cinematically what I, what we were always attracted to was this, uh, being able to just see, show people and see things that you usually don't see in a film of, you know, uh, a story that takes you through this really insane, you know, um, countryside with you know beautiful geography and or or, or you know it, giant cities and like crazy you know industry and it's just all this really great visual stuff so it would have been um so for me the the idea of a graphic novel seemed a lot more appealing and also we're on firmer ground in terms of having a sort of filmmaking background uh it felt like it's something we could manage a little better than just write becoming you know book authors and uh, then also just the idea of, of we worked really hard on the story and it would have been a shame to just for the screenplay to end up on a hard drive somewhere forever. Right. <laughs> we wanted it to turn into we wanted it to become something no matter yeah. what. And, and then like and like Sam said, you know, times have changed so fast in China since the time we started writing it to the time we were thinking about the screenplay was done. The, the feasibility of shooting it there had, had changed. Mm. Right. That's right. In a, in, in a space of two years. Yeah, and, right. and I gotta say, I mean, you know, the graphic novel. I'm I'm not a graphic novel person. I didn't I didn't really read comic books a lot, but you're right. I mean, the visual aspect of China at the time and even now, there's so much visual absurdity and like, how is this all? there it's yeah. like it's blade runner and it's a desert and then it's a blade runner is in a desert and right. a shopping mall and it's just mm. you know how the visual panels and and cells you guys created really was gorgeous and, and and beautiful and so that makes sense that a graphic novel would have to be the starting point um but but in that sundance um workshop um, what were some of those things? What were some of the things that that helped you with? What was the the benefit of that, or, or was it a benefit? Sam, you want to? Do you want to? <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> well, we were just we were incredibly lucky to have the 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 types of advisors that we had at the Sundance Labs. It's you're getting the the smartest, most talented screenwriters on the planet to sit down and read your script not once but twice, and give you detailed feedback sometimes line by line. Um, and uh, they were very generous to let us uh, to, to, to record the session so we could listen, so we could play it back time and time again and discuss what changes we wanted to be, wanted to be made. Um, but yeah, each advisor would have different, really good advice. And then it, just, it, it was just Eric and I deciding, well, we've, we could go these multiple ways. This is all good advice. What do we want to do? 
Um, and that's that's where this new version came out, the book, the, the version that is essentially seated in this in this graphic novel. But but no offers at the end? <laughs> of no 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 sales or no sales? No, no no yeah, no no one ready to like ready. All right, let's go. Nothing? No. <laughs> well, it wasn't finished. It wasn't finished. Oh, we wanted, okay. we, we okay. felt like we wanted okay. to finish it and turn it into something. Okay. Um, you know, come on. So, you, yeah. you, you have that. That's You say Sundance. I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and? And? You know, Robert Redford didn't walk in and go, let's go, gents. <laughs> <laughs> walk through this door. <laughs> um, oh, oh, well. Next time. Next time. Um <laughs> When you decided, okay, graphic novel, you're looking at your IP. We're not going to do a book. We're not book authors, which is a whole other challenge. You, you got a screenplay, so you know it does make sense from a screenplay. You're gonna, you're both directors and 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 with ed- and editors, so storyboards make sense. Graphic novels is a thing. How how long did it take you guys to go into that graphic novel space, and how did you? jump into that world which is so niche uh i think we jumped into it as only people who know nothing (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) i i think our first our first priority really was and sam correct me if i'm wrong but it was really like okay so who's gonna be who's gonna draw this thing like we gotta find someone to do we can't do that um and so (laughs) We, yeah, I guess this sort of leads naturally into a discussion about our illustrator and how we found our illustrator. But like that was maybe the first big step, right, is to team up with with the right partner for, for to illustrate the book. And we really lucked out. Like we found maybe the most perfect person for this exact book to to illustrate it. Yeah, Sam, you want to talk about a little? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Timothy McEvenue, um, uh, who's a Canadian illustrator. He was based in Beijing at the time, uh, working for a lot of the newspapers. Um, and, and Bob, as you say, it's just there were so many particular elements to, to live life in China at that time that uh, if you didn't live there, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to pick those things up. And, and, and Tim just filled those images with all these particular details um, that if we'd written it in words, it just wouldn't have come across the same way. Oh wow! I mean that. I mean that seems like you know even more kismet that the three of you guys had had all this Asia experience and were able to put it all together in to one cohesive thing. I mean that that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, I mean, that, and that's why one of the reasons why it just took so long. <laughs> we had to take the screenplay, then convert it into into a format that that uh, Timothy could could access and. And then we had we had Eric and I had to learn about panels and what type of panels we wanted the book to have. There was all these rules. We were basically learning one hundred and one, just graphic novel one hundred and one. So just just heading out to the store and buying nothing but books and comic books and and just going going nuts. We were uh, we were looking at a lot of different samples and say, do we want our book to be more like this or like this? You know, look how the look how the artwork is done. Uh, a big conversation that we had was was do we do black and white? Do we do color? Um, it's yeah. There's 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 so many different directions you can go once you do a graphic novel, um, and then also making sure. And Tim also had to uh, create the characters because unlike film, where you hire an actor and you know that actor is going to be who he, who he or she is, um, Tim had to create these character, the looks of these characters from scratch. So that took some time too. And Eric, I mean, how did that work? I mean, how did you guys then? 
you know, you you both come from different backgrounds. Um, you've got different perspectives of it. Sam, you lived in China. You know, Eric, you had visited China, but and, but lived in Asia. How did you guys start crafting this? What were some of the influences you pulled from to create the visuals or to at least guide the visuals? Right. Well, again, we we literally had no idea what we were doing. And so we had to, we had to, I think we made early on the choice stylistically, like one thing that we were attracted to, which is another reason why Tim was great was we didn't really want it to feel like a Marvel uh, or we didn't want to make a comic book looking graphic novel. We wanted it to have a very uh, distinct uh, visual style. And we thought the way we could achieve that is finding an illustrator who has a unique, a unique uh, personal style. And that was Tim. And so when we, you know, when we found him, we we're like, okay, this, this is our guy. So that like really kind of checks those boxes. And so then, like Sam said, we had to, um, you know, create, uh, the characters and that was a whole process. And, and really the bulk of, of, of the time that we spent on the graphic novel was really just converting it to rewriting it as frames. So it was just like frame by frame, a miniature description which basically tripled the size of our script or something, Sam, like it really made it, it, it really just became a different, like an intermediate step, like a conversion step that I guess if you're just, you know, if we had not written a graphic novel, um, I'm sorry, if we had not written a screenplay originally, I guess that would have been the first thing we do. Um, so that conversion step was arduous and then we would make revisions uh, to the story throughout the process, which would affect the art. And then there were times when we, uh, because we, you know, getting these pages illustrated is a long and expensive process. We would try to tell the stories the most efficiently we could and keep it as short as possible. But then there was a point where we realized we actually, it wasn't long enough. We didn't have enough frames. We needed to add more. So we realized, oh my God, this thing's going to, we're going to add like 80 pages to this thing. So it, it was a, Yeah. Uh, so it was like, really, we were learning as we went. Um, I feel like now, Sam, if we were to do another novel, we'd probably we'd probably get it done in thirty percent of the time, rather I than. I think so. I think a lot know, of the ro yeah. rookie mistakes we got in the way. I got you know we got out of the way. What were some of those things that that were a surprise to you? I mean, if if you're you know used to working with a screenplay, and if you're working with film, you're like, well, here's my establishing shot. We're gonna get out of that really quick. I've got my action. If I've got people talking, I got my my reverses. I got my over the shoulders. I got a couple close reactions. Maybe an insert. Boom, scene's done. We, you know minutes out, you know, 89 to go. What was some things that were different or, or surprising for you that you guys had to create from a graphic novel perspective? Well, a similarity, uh, well, a similarity is that we used filmmaking language in our descriptions for Tim to follow. So, cause we, I guess we didn't know any other way to talk about the images. So we would be like, you know, medium over the shoulder or tight over the shoulder on so-and-so. And Tim would just magically make it all happen because we're all kind of imagining it like a movie. Um, but in terms of surprises, uh, Sam, what do you think? I don't know. I, I'm oh, not I had sure. Aside from one that I, I, I thought was just really how hard it was. <laughs> I don't <true>. know. <laughs> um, in film, when you're editing, uh, you, you, you can extend, extend a particular shot in order to add more uh, dramatic effect to that shot. And one of the surprises for us was that in a graphic novel, that's what the page turn does. 
uh, that page <laughs> right. turn is that little beep. So we started to realize, oh, you know, the last frame on a page, particularly when it's a page turn, can have can have that dramatic effect that you have in a film when you do a a, a long beat on a cut. Oh, um, interesting. So we started working yeah. towards that. Yeah, I, I get. Yeah, you would never think of that. Where you have a even you know even old school techniques of a fade out. That's which, right. It's it, where I have a breath now. Now it's, I'm yes. turning the page, and then I guess the concept of two pages open is this giant plate of, you know, image and cacophony right. staring back at you. Um, yeah. When you guys went to do that, um, what what was the things that some of the stuff that Tim drew, that or or some some ideas that he brought that you went that's that doesn't make sense to me, but makes sense in the end. Or maybe it didn't make sense to you at all. You're going, I guess. Okay, he's a graphic novelist. Let, let's call it. Let's call it good. Because um, I, I, you know, in a graphic novel, you're looking at a lot of single images, a third of the page that cover massive amounts of film time. Um, yes, especially you've got yeah. this road trip concept. So you have you know a couple of pages that would take thirty seconds on film, maybe a minute montage if we were being really cool. Um, is one page which a graphic novel if you're uh, for me not being a graphic novel reader it was like i flipped through it i read the whole book in 20 minutes what happened yeah for you guys pacing. How, how did you guys yeah how did you the pacing how did you guys figure out pacing on this it was really difficult to learn pacing because as you said a movie runs at a set speed and trying to learn the the speed at which one read a page often we'd only discover that the pacing was off once tim would send us the roughs back so we we'd come up with that shot list, essentially a film shot list that we'd send to him and then he'd send us the frames back and we'd realize that, oh, this page runs a little bit too fast when you're reading it. And that's when we'd add a beat, like you add a, perhaps a frame of somebody thinking. And just that, that frame can extend the reading process. Also the size of the frame can extend the reading process. Um, if you just said like you have a full strip across of somebody thinking, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a substantial pacing beat right there. Um, so there was a lot of that. And then there was also at the end editing, like cutting stuff out where we realized, oh, we don't need a beat here. Uh, and this is where we gave Tim a, a, quite a big headache is like, Tim, do you mind removing this frame from the page? <laughs> He's like, why didn't you tell me this at the beginning? Do you know how difficult this is? <laughs> Eric, what, what was some stuff that you, you thought that, uh, you know, was, was a challenge? What were those things that you just went, I don't know if I want to do this anymore? <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just, uh, oh, yeah. So after we kind of decided to lock our images and, and stop making Tim's life hell and just sort of be like, okay, these are, this is the artwork. This is, we gotta, like, we can't do any more drawing. We can't, we can't get any more pages illustrated. Um, then there became this phase of like, well, we can still change dialogue and we can still change what's written. And so that opened a door to, you know, um, uh, tweaking that could go on forever if you don't force yourself to stop. And so we, we went to this phase of just infinite tweaking of lines and uh, we had to like put down rules at one point. Like we, we got to stop this. We have to just let this go at some point because it was turning into a forever project. Right, Sam? 
And also yeah. because it's a collaboration, every single line is discussed at huge length between Eric and I. So, you know, Argued and yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say on a film, you go like, "We ran out of money. There ain't no more tape. There ain't no more film. Right, We're done. Right. Shut up." Right. But if you're right. just if you're just typing on a page, man, you can go for yes. fourteen years or whatever it was right. that you guys yeah, spent yeah. on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, film, you're, you're, you're limited by what you got on the day. So you might have different right. takes, but that's yeah, it. That's it. But for you're us, done. We, could, yeah, we could change the whole content of a scene just by changing a speech bubble. <laughs> right. Uh, too it much was power, like we man. went into It's like we went into ADR mode in post but for, like three, <laughs> for like three years of ADR or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, just shoot it real wide. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll fix <laughs> right, it. It'll, right. The ultimate fix it in post project. Right, right. What what were some of the influences that you guys started um, pulling from when you were writing this, Um, whether it be visual or or the story um, or even some of the graphic novels that you found? What was becoming the the push or the, the influences for you to really get this visual idea down? Well, Eric had a couple of copies of uh, some Guy Delisle graphic novels, I remember. Um, and uh, he, we felt that one of the reasons why he'd be good to as a go-to is because he was a foreigner telling stories in Asia from a unique sort of perspective. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we, he, uh, Delisle did Shenzhen that we looked through, Eric, and then we had uh, Pyongyang was another uh, graphic novel that he did. Um, and, and they were really helpful in terms of us just being, just sort of learning what is, what is a literary graphic novel as opposed to a, uh, the, the, the kind of graphic the novel. The pow, bang, we, Yeah, boom. that's right. Mm. The stuff that we'd, we'd, we'd read when we were, we were teenagers. What, right. what, what, good, good, Eric. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think we, you know, we dove in without being, uh, real graphic novel connoisseurs and I'm sure we're still not, but we know more now, but. Uh, uh, we probably, our, our orientation was more coming from the world of film and thinking about vi- visually and storytelling wise, probably thinking more in terms of directors we like or filmmakers we like. Um, but, you know, in the future, we might, as we become more well-versed and, you know, consuming graphic novels, will probably, those influences will creep in too. Because there's a lot of ways to do it, like Sam said. And, and like, Tim even was wanting us to kind of unchain him and let him go crazy and do some minimalist stuff and sketched out stuff where, like, there's no color and the frames go away. Like, there's so many cool things you can do once you get into that world where if you flip through some graphic novels, they don't, they're not laid out, like, frame by frame. You know, some are definitely by frame but others it's like the frames disappear and all the images blur together and so there's a lot of cool stuff you can do that we might try in the future but for this first time out our our foot our feet were definitely planted in the world of film and thinking about it in terms of almost like a storyboard really Mm. and i think i think that sort of shows it does i mean and it it does read like the world's most gorgeous finished storyboard series or animatic <laughs> okay almost. yeah right uh, well i mean from somebody you know, as not a graphic novel guy and now that's that's the other, another question i have for you guys is what did you find that was surprising and eric you touched on some of this you know now you're graphic novel writers and that's a whole nother world what what has surprised you about this new genre this new medium that you're working in now well, we're st- I'm still learning about it. I'm sure Sam, you are too. And, I, and there's probably a little bit of imposter syndrome here, like being even be calling, being called graphic novel authors. It's it's a uh, you know 
treading new ground here for for ourselves. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know, Sam. What do you think? Uh, I, I, ever since we started the process, I've certainly been buying a hell of a lot more graphic novels to read <laughs> because you know. Ha, has it been? You, you in, only ha, learn by reading. Has 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 it opened you up to a new world? I mean, are you seeing? Are you meeting a different audience? Are you are you finding out that like, oh, this is a th- there's there's more to this because it seems like you know more adult or adults always have read graphic novels. I was going to say this kind of circles back to what we were talking about before about IP. Like since we've announced the book, some people have gotten in touch with me saying, hey, you know, we are trying to do our own IP, and I think over the years. It's become more and more like a thing now. People realize everything that's getting made uh, by production studios is all more or less based on some sort of IP, or at least, you know, that's the trend. So it makes total sense. I think Sam was just early to kind of figure that out and, and, and you know, adapt this strategy. Um, we were probably got on a little earlier than most, but I think now it's sort of a lot of people have done that math and they're like, everyone is sort of rushing to try to turn their scripts into graphic novels or books. And, uh, I think there's a mad rush to find illustrators. Um, so this is, this is becoming a really common thing. You've had some success. Yes. I'd say moderate success, considering uh, our level of experience. I suppose <laughs> it, it's a great it, success. You know, it's a great. It, you know, it's very. I mean, the, the the final output is a legitimate, really nice graphic novel. Um, you talked about you know how it's kind of changing your thinkings, and and you want to do more of these. What's that mean? What does that look like from a career standpoint from for you guys? How does that? change you know how you present ideas how you how you think about your ideas now you're going well maybe we'll make this a graphic novel first as opposed to well we've tried everything else this seems like an interesting idea uh yeah i think we're 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 looking at ways in which uh would a story fit better as a graphic novel than as a movie and sometimes that's not the case so eric and i have got this a huge pile of ideas and we've been sitting down and saying how about this idea? What do you reckon? TV series, feature film, graphic novel. Uh, and, and the ones that are going into the graphic novels, we're saying, oh, yeah, that would really make a really cool graphic novel. Maybe it's set in space or who knows. But there's, there's particular reasons why it couldn't be a, a, a it'd be difficult to be a feature film. Um, those are the ones that we're, we're, we're starting to develop. So it's before we were storytellers, we were filmmaker storytellers. And I think the big shift over the last 12 years is that we have slowly become storytellers tellers who are working in 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 two different mediums at once whether we're telling them good or not i don't know <laughs> right it's a nice it's a nice option to have though for sure like it's we can sort of we have now now there's there's more we can do and also there's the feeling of uh you know it can become something without needing you know a, a hundred million dollars to to have it exist right and that's also one of the frustrating things about film is that so often you write a script and it never becomes anything. You you meet we Eric and I know so many writers who are like, yeah, I've got a whole shelf full of screenplays. I was going to say that that's thing. that's like the rules. Like you have to have you know a lot of people graduate film school. It's like you need a dozen scripts and a dozen genres to prove that you can do this. You know, let alone you know it's 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 unpaid practice. Um, for you guys now, when you're, when, when you are looking at something, go, yeah, this would make a great graphic novel. Um, is it exciting when you, when you, when you stumble across that or is it like, okay, it's graphic novel time. (laughs) I I think it's, (laughs) I, I think, um, 
I'm excited because now it, you don't like, you know, when you work in indie film and, you know, you have to think really, you have to be really resourceful and you have to think, well, what, what is the coolest location I have free access to that I can build a movie around? <laughs> right. You know, who do I know that can be a great lead actor? You know, you don't have to do that anymore. You can just be like, okay, it's about, it's going to, you know, if you were to, we can think up, you know, a billion, billion dollar production value concepts and just be like, yeah, we'll just, we just got to get, you know, an illustrator now. Um. So that, that's good. It's, a, it's very freeing in that regard. Yeah. Especially in a COVID world where it's so much harder to be an independent filmmaker. Uh, if we want to set a movie in Tunisia or, or, sorry, a graphic novel in Tunisia, we can do that. We don't have to get on planes and deal with trying to get uh, quarantine and all that stuff. We just start writing. I was going to say, before all of, the, you know, all of us went into lockdown, you guys were you know, doing it, as you said, remotely before it was cool. Has that made now, it... What? What did we, were we using Skype in the beginning, Sam, in the times when we actually couldn't be in the same city? Is that what we were doing? That's right. Yeah. So we started on Skype and I'm not even sure Messenger was a big thing back in 2010. So uh, back then Skype allowed you to do, uh, you could share screens. So we'd share a lot of screens of, you know, our work back and forth. Um, and then when we could, we'd try to fly. I think Eric was about once a year, right? We'd fly roughly about once a year, try to do a big, say one week session where we just worked all day or all night and then crashed. Right. In those sessions, like we would cover so much more ground than if we were doing it remotely, like just being locked in a room with like a bunch of sticky notes on a wall and just became like, you know, boot camp or prison camp for store for writing. And we wouldn't let ourselves out until we had, you know, a finished draft. Um, and, you know, it was it was really hard, but it was it was we covered way more ground that way. It would have taken even longer if we weren't able to do that. Yeah. And it was handy to have deadlines, too, because we'd say, oh, you know, I'm only staying with Eric for a week. We now have one week to try right. and get something done right. that's tangible. And so, right. And we'd have like, that's how I remembered story versions. It's like, oh, that's the Bangkok story version. Oh, that's the Manila story version. It's the L.A. version. <laughs> like, so we would, we, I, that's how I'd mentally like, you know, think about our drafts. But if we were, again, again, if we were going to do this again, it would not, I really hope it wouldn't take another two decades. Like it's gotta <laughs> be faster. Like <laughs> it wouldn't, I believe it would be faster. But now the collaboration seems simpler. It's not so much of a, of a slog to do this remote thing or, you know, obviously you want to, we all want to see each other face to face, but is it, is it gotten easier or more feasible in, in the creative idea? Or the creative well, process. I mean, certainly we're, we're so used. I mean, we're so used to to doing the the Skype or Messenger calls, so that's that's just second nature to us. But I do think that when we can travel internationally again, uh, Eric and I will still have to 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 find some place to to hammer out huh. for a week. Right. Yeah, Hunk, hunker down, hunker, hunker down, down. <laughs> like put out two hundred pages. Coming. That's right. Because yeah. <laughs> it's still something, yeah, being in the same room is different than, uh, say, doing one Zoom a week. You just, it's, it's very different. And you can reach a level of intensity with the work that you can't do uh, via Zoom. Zoom can just, it's very nature can be tiring. But if Eric and I are in the room for 12 hours, we are going to go to some places and it's going to get pretty crazy. And often that leads us to story places that we never thought about um, just because of the intensity of working together yeah, and, for so, and, so many hours right, a day. Just no, no distractions either. You know, every even if we were doing a Zoom call a day, um, we'd still, our brains would, you know, be distracted by a million other things. So if we lock ourselves in a, 
in a hotel and like you know create a story wall then it's basically we're locking ourselves in a writer's room and mm. we can focus you know. okay okay um when you got finished and it was time to like get a graphic novel what did that look like you know you couldn't go to you didn't go to your 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 film contacts what what was the the idea of okay i have my graphic novel how do i get it out to somebody was it always the idea of self publishing or was it you know let's go and try and find a publisher first uh yeah sure uh eric and i were discussing this at length trying to think what's our next chess move uh and we we eventually decided that we should try to get a, a an agent sort of uh, similar to a an agent that you might have in film, a literary agent. Uh, so we just started cold knocking on agents' doors uh, and sending emails, uh, and one of them responded, and it was the Writer's House uh, Agency in New York uh, who read it and loved it, and they, they, they took uh, us as writers, as clients, um, and, uh, and, uh, which is great. And that's not just for this book, that's for future books as well. So that's also put... Um, some a bit of bit of confidence under our belts that we can you know we we do know somewhat we, we, do, we might have a career in graphic novels if we try <laughs> um and then uh, obviously the book is very particular so uh that the that was shown the the agent showed it to a lot of publishers and in the end we decided look you know let's just self-publish this thing we've been working on it so long Let's put it out there and move on with our careers because we want to be working with the agent, with the writer's house, to be creating new work. Um, uh, so that's when we decided, let's not wait forever for the publishers to say yes or no. Let's put this out into the world. And that's when we had to learn about self-publishing, which was a whole other... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole other seven-hour conversation. <laughs> that's right. But, but ultimately, that, that worked for you. That was the, the, the smart move to just let's get this guy out there let's birth this baby that's right and in that regard i think self-publishing is very much like the early days of independent filmmaking because it allows anybody to take their product and show it to the world and then leave the world to decide whether they like it or not um so in that regard it was really exciting that we could simply put it on kdp or ingram spark and a couple of weeks later it's there for sale it's really exciting Right. And I think now is it's more than ever. Um, we're not really in a world where people go into bookstores as much and like their limit, you know, and they, 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 they think if you're not on the bookshelf, then, you know, you can't, then your book doesn't exist or something now because everyone buys it online. It, it really kind of doesn't matter. Like self-publishing it, it, the end result is almost the same anyway. So a lot yeah, of people yeah, don't, yeah. don't even know. I was yeah. going to say that that is, that's, it's a very smart, an intelligent and good answer because I think that's always been the case with writers. Like, well, you don't want to self-publish because then you're done. But you're right. right. Where are you going to buy a book now anyway? When was the last right. time you saw a bookstore to begin with? Um, yeah, right. it, it, you're going to buy it online. So if it's online, it's online. What's 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 the difference? Yeah, that makes right, that makes right. absolute total sense. Um, so what's next? I mean, what what's the next uh, short? you know, nine year project <laughs> that you're going for. I mean, you know, cause you know, we've only got so much time guys. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're only going to be alive. What? 30 more years, Sam. So, Max, we're lucky. Yeah, we're so lucky. it's like two more books. You can, like, you can get a trilogy. We only get two more there. chances. That's right. <laughs> we've decided it's definitely not any more white face lies. No white face nope. lies. Prequel, no sequel. No, no, we're yeah, no, we're done. To, we are sure. so done with that. Um, <laughs> 
I don't know that like Sam, what do you think? Like we're still trying to figure out what kind of world we wanted to our next thing to take place in, but you know, we are going to really, I think embrace the, the, the freedom of being able to kind of tell the, the kind of stories we want without worrying about, you know, how much it would cost to make as a film. And, you know, will it, uh, will it be based in a similar kind of world that the last one was in? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll be something totally out there. Maybe it'd be something that spans many countries. Maybe it'd be something that takes place only in a familiar first world country situation. Sam? Yeah, I don't think we've decided yet. I mean, but certainly uh, probably our first step will just be sharing different memories and personal experiences (laughs) and going from there. Sort of like how we did in the last one. Yeah. But but definitely graphic novels. This is this is this is a a, a strong path that you're gonna go, you guys are gonna be walking. I think so, and it's also tied to budget too, because to make a graphic novel is so much cheaper than making a feature film. You know, a feature film nowadays is so expensive, and a graphic novel is much more expensive than a novel. But it's something that people can, if you find an illustrator and you work well with, with that illustrator, it's it's something that you can you can create. So for us, it's a it's a tangible way that we can turn ideas into into products cool i i have to say again the book really is good i mean i i as uh, having having lived some of it in a very small way um it really is a great story it really does flow and as i was turning it with the cynical angry going oh very smart oh good oh oh nice twist excellent i mean really a very enjoyable book and i'm not just saying that because you know sam we're friends but it really is a very good book so i do highly recommend everybody go get it it is a very fun piece so tell us where um what's the best way to get this book and get you guys some a few shekels for your uh 12 year journey uh, probably simplest is www.amazon.com. <laughs> Just type in Whiteface Lies and, and you're good to go. <laughs> well, I was going to say, where else would you go for anything that you would want anyway? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we're sponsored today by Jeff Bezos' idea, so here we are. <laughs> and for those, and again, you know, just to make fun of Sam, for those English speakers, it's www. Oh. Yeah, whatever. That's, you know, that's true. Nice. And actually, it's a .com.au or .uk, wherever <laughs> you are on the planet, Amazon is everywhere. Okay. There Got is, it. Sam, there is a higher quality version available though, right? On a different side? Uh, you can is also right, get it Sam? on Barnes & Noble, which has uh, got another high quality version. We both, we uh, that's one of the choices you make when you're self-publishing too, is what quality of printing do you want to go with? And we decided we'd work so long on this that... Amazon, we just went for the highest quality printing version that they offered, and the same with uh, the Barnes & Noble version. So when you do buy a copy of it, it's not a cheaply printed copy. It is the highest one that they have. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was so. impressed. It was. It did have a nice weight to it. It was a book. It wasn't like a, it wasn't rubbing off on my fingers. I was like, ooh, this is That's a book good. book. This is a real good. book. <laughs> this this. Is a real oh, okay, book. There we go. This nice. is this Good. this is a very nice book. I, I you know it's been sitting under my notes. So like you know we'll have to do the the proverbial selfie uh, with it uh, when we're oh, done. Good. So yeah, it's it's good. I right, well guys, thank you so much, Eric Flanagan and Sam Vutas. You guys are tremendous from Manila and Australia, and we're here in San Francisco. So awesome guys, thank you so very much. So there you have it. Some great advice about entering a career of art and design. And as more and more art and design career opportunities are on the rise, employers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and, of course, skilled 
creative professionals. At Academy of Art University, you will get those work-ready skills that employers want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco or anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request more information about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, fashion design, photography, UX design, and more, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creativemind.